amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Hey guys, it's Richard Diaz again, and I'm really pleased to have you back on our show. Listen up. Mio, Mio Global, makers of Mio Alpha, Mio Fuse. Having a sale for Father's Day leading up to Father's Day, you get 25 bucks off on a new Mio Fuse if you decide to buy one online. I think it's a great advantage for you. I would take advantage of it if I were you. Let's get on with the show. Got a great show. Uh, it's a rerun, but it's an awesome rerun, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Listen up. Natural Running Network. We are brought to you by Mio, makers of the world's first strapless heart rate monitor sports watches, and MedHab, makers of RPM Squared, an innovative system of gait analysis that slips right into your running shoes. My name is Richard Diaz. I am your host. Are you a runner? Do you love to get out and challenge yourself? Running your first marathon or maybe caught the bug of obstacle racing? Well, sit tight because this is a show you just don't want to miss. Good morning, everyone from the West Coast and all of you folks around the world that are listening to us this morning. Well, I guess it may not be morning in other parts of the world. I have a tremendous show for you this morning. So today, I have Luke Humphrey. Luke is the head coach owner of the Hanson's Brooks Distance Project. He is author of the Hanson's Marathon Method and recently released the new book is the Hanson's Half Marathon Method. Luke has some interesting thoughts about how one should prepare for these events and I am chafing to have an opportunity to speak with him and get his take on why he does what he does, what he prescribes, and why he does this type of training. But it should be really interesting, because obviously enough, I've got a lot of questions that I'd like to ask Luke. I've read both of the books, and they're good to read. And, uh, you know, Luke being an exercise physiologist, that makes it even that much more interesting for me. Luke has some... He's well. He's qualified for Olympic trials twice. Uh, he was a fifth place finisher at the San Diego Marathon with a PR of two fourteen thirty nine. So clearly, he's got some skills. Very popular book, incidentally. A lot of guys out there in the world have asked me what my opinion was about their system of training, and I know that there are some folks that are planning to shoot me some questions that I might ask in their regard for. Luke to answer, 
But uh, good stuff, good stuff all around. I, you know, this is my thing. I really, really enjoy uh, training programs that are set up for this long distance and the physiology and the why and where to for to produce these uh, training programs. So should be good stuff. Now, incidentally, while we're on the subject and I'm waiting for uh, Luke to come on live, I'm going to plug my training program. If someone wants to have me get a look at the way they're running because they've been plagued with injuries, they can't seem to get away from, you know, the, the, uh, the injuries that have just kept them from achieving their goals, and they're so frustrated with having to have these repeat visits to the doctor who lets them know, well, yeah, that knee's pretty inflamed. I'll send you to physical therapy. You know, you get out of physical therapy, and they say, yeah, you're good to go. Go back out and run again, and sure enough, you hurt yourself again. Let's get you out of that quagmire. We're offering up what I call virtual video analysis. If you send me some video clips, I get a chance to get a look at what you're doing, I will pump those video clips that you've given me into my software, make some some notes, show some indications of what I think you're doing wrong or what you might want to change, send those videos back to you, then we'll schedule a live phone call where we'll go over the information and try to get to the bottom of the problem and see if we can't get you running again. It's really quite a service. It's new for us. We haven't really done that before. It is part of our online coaching program, but I thought it might be interesting for those who are just needing a little bit of help to give them an opportunity to do it for a relatively inexpensive fee. And to find out more about that, you simply go to our website, diazhumanperformance.com, and there you'll have it. Well, it looks like I have got Luke just came live here, and uh, let me get him on the line. Good morning, Luke Humphrey. Hi, how are you? I am tremendous. How are you, sir? I am. I am doing well. So, Luke, you're from Michigan. I am, yep. Have you spent all your life there? I have. I'm originally from uh, the west side of the state, more Grand Rapids area. So, uh, I grew up there and then uh, went to Central Michigan University and then... Uh, Moved from there to uh, just north of Detroit and Rochester with the, where the Hanson Brooks Distance Project is. And, yeah, so so for 30-some years, that's, that's where I've been. You know, Luke, I was raised in Michigan myself. I might have made that note to you. I was actually born in Dearborn. Okay. So very, very, very close to where you are now. And uh, spent, uh, I don't know, the first. 27 years of my life south of Detroit uh, in the okay. Downriver area. You've heard that term, Downriver area? Downriver, yeah, I have, yeah. Yeah, I was, so I, I, was, I went to school in Southgate, Michigan, and had been okay. there. Yeah, so, and then I'll tell you what, one of those winters, one year, the winter just got hold of me, and I said, you know what, I'm done. And I gave, <laughs> I gave pretty much everything I owned to my brother, I moved to Maui. That's not a bad decision. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, it was it was an impromptu decision. I didn't. I've never been there before. Didn't know anyone there, but I knew that I had to got. I had to get as far away from that snow as I possibly could. 
Oh. And now I've migrated to the West Coast, California. And as I look out the window right now, it's probably starting to head towards 70 degrees and has been in and out of that, that uh, temperature range all through the winter. Oh, jealous. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, above freezing today, so that's a, that's a step forward for us. Which, which is fortitude on its own. You know, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I Back in the day when I lived in Michigan, the furthest distance I think I've ever run was probably about three miles. And, uh, you know, and obviously in the winter, all the athleticism occurred indoors, you know. I'm really a big fan right. of rac racquetball and that kind of thing. Just whatever I can do to stay out of, the, out of the cold. So I can't imagine what it must be like for you to train in the winter. Yeah, I mean, usually it's not too bad, but this winter was just brutal. I mean, we got almost 100 inches of snow, and they're saying we still might get some before it's all done. And uh, that's about twice as much as we usually get. So it's just a, it was just cold. It was just really, really cold this year too. So um, it just made it. It didn't make it tough. It makes Maui sound very nice. So Luke, tell me um, regionally there with your distance running project, and I'm assuming aside from that particular project, you guys also coach a lot of. Um, uh, I guess I'm going to use a global term. I'll say novice runners. Um, how many people do you touch? Now, I'm not talking about uh, through the Internet or what have you, but do you guys physically are involved with training on a regular basis? Um, you know, we get, uh, you know, Kevin Keith is, you know, the main coach of the, the distance project of the elite. I actually run, you know, they're my coaches. You know, I run for the elite distance program as well. And um, so with that, you're looking at probably about uh, – 20, 20 to 30, depending on where we're at with, with members as far as uh, the elite program. And then just with the community stuff that we do, um, you're looking at maybe another 100 to 200 people, depending on time of the year. And then, uh, and then you throw in, you know, what I do with the online coaching and stuff, you're looking at, you know, we coach about 110 people a month between myself and our coaches, and then we write schedules for another few people, and then, you know, with the, with the schedules we sell, and we, we sell, you know, 100 to 200 a month. So um, you're looking at definitely several hundred people over the course of the year, maybe, you know, a couple thousand people a year that we're, that we're helping. So okay, cool. It's growing for sure. Yeah, so now – I got a buttload of questions. I got to be honest with you. All right. So, we, you know, we live in we live in parallel worlds. You and I. Um, I see that I've been to your website, and I, I've kind of you know dissected it to see what you guys were up to, and I see that you also, and, and I'm assuming that it's you being a an exercise physiologist. You're performing VO2 max testing, resting metabolic testing, doing gait evaluation, that type of thing. Correct. Yep. Yep. Not a whole lot, but we do. We do. Uh, a little bit of it, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, it's what I do. That's my day job. That's what I do okay. every day and have been doing. Uh, well, VO2 testing, I've, I've been performing VO2 testing athletes for uh, working on 20 years now. Okay. Been at it a long time. And uh, I have tested, oh, gosh, I mean, just scads of people from all walks of life in various sports. Mm -hmm. And so... When I looked at your book, 
I look, well, actually, I've read them both now. To be more precise, I kind of speed read the first one and spent a lot more time on the second one. What I like about your book is, and I'm, I'm sure you couldn't help yourself, is that in the first part of the book, you very, very adequately explained uh, the physiological adaptations that occur relative to uh, intensity of training and where uh, substrate, substrate utilization comes about metabolically, how much energy is coming from where relative to the work you're doing, and you, you did a really good job of breaking that down. I appreciate it. Yeah, that was actually a big focus of the book was to, was to be able to do that. Um, you know, just with people I've talked to with a lot of the runners I've worked with, it's, you know, there's a ton of great information out there, but some of it's so technical that people don't understand it. And, and it's hard for me to understand it at times, too. And, and I thought when we first sat down with the marathon book, that was, that was a big – because I knew the program worked. I knew that was going to be an easy sell when people bought into it. And it, but the, the physiology, most people, they, they focus so much on one thing of our program, you know, the long run, and they don't see why it is the way it is that it's set up. And, and that was one of the big things I wanted to do was take the physiology of it and say, listen, this is why we're doing it, because this is what physiology says. You can't, you can't argue with that, and, and, but make it practical at the same time. So. I can tell you that, you know, again, since we kind of share the same uh, bed here, the biggest frustration I've had over the past 20 years is not so much to understand what I'm doing, but to get other people to understand what just occurred after right. I've given the test. So, exactly. you know, I get uh, John Doe comes in for a VO2 test, you know, and as you know, the test from start to finish is maybe 15 minutes, and then you pull them down, and then you explain to them what your anaerobic threshold is. I spend a lot of time looking at respiratory quotient and getting a sense of where the energy is being utilized. Okay, so we go through this whole process, and I try in, in, in as quick a time and as efficiently as possible, my goal is to explain this information so when the guy walks out, he's not spinning. He gets it. He understands what he needs to be doing. Exactly. That's a very yeah, tough thing to do, right? It is, yeah. And, and honestly, I mean, when I do testing, I don't even necessarily focus on VO2 max because people come in here, they are fit. We know they're fit. We know they're going to have a pretty high VO2 max. I mean, that's not going to be any enlightening thing. I want to know how – I want to take that test. And like you said, I want to give them – I want to put something in their hand when they leave that they can, they can practically use in their own training. And, you know, you can tell, oh, yeah, your VO2 max is, you know, 65 ml per kg per minute. Well, okay, what, is, what does that mean? You know, what, how is that going to impact me? You know, and, and that's what I want to, I want to put in, okay, this means these days need to be here, you know, all the way up through the, through the pace ranges and be able to say, when this changes, when these paces change, then you know you're more fit and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, I just I don't want to just give them a, a number and say, okay, there you go, off you go. Right. So exactly what I do. What I try to do, and you know, just to kind of get this out there so we can build from this. I tell people that uh, number one, and you you can concur with me, maybe not. I don't know. But it's a rare occasion where I can get somebody to give me 100% effort 
on a treadmill. Exactly. exactly. And so the VO2 max to begin with is really kind of a, a futile attempt. You know, you're really going to see more, maybe, maybe 85, 90% max, right? Right, right. Especially and, if they've never done a test before, then, exactly. you know, it's... <laughs> what, what, what system do you use for testing? You know, we're in a, we're in a kind of a, well, not weird, it's actually a really good situation. We are in an office with myself and uh, a local kind of track lead legend here, uh, Bonnie Karras, and then Clint Viren, um has his physical, we actually sublease space from Clint's physical therapy office, and then there's another young man who does bike fittings and sells a lot of bike components and bikes and stuff like that. But anyway, we're all under one roof, and Bonnie brought her her core um, cardio cardio coach with her from there. So that's what we use because it's what's available. And, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely other systems that you know that I would probably preferably use, but I don't have... 15 grand laying around. Yeah, well, I've owned a couple different uh, systems. Uh, my, my initial system was through Med Graphics, and I think my initial purchase for this entire setup, I think I had 40000 bucks invested with oh, the ergometer. That was a yeah. lot of money. Because I used to test, uh, I was contracted by the LA Kings, and I would go through the whole roster of the uh, the, the hockey players. You know, we used to do wind, wind gate testing and anaerobic power, and anyway. So, but I use the core cardio coach myself right now. But the, this analyzer does O2 and CO2, so I, I get a pretty good yes, look. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and, and I build build my case when I work with people based on um, respiratory quotient, and you know, mm-hmm. and generally I'll adjust what is uh, presumably their threshold relative to the RQ and what have you. And I don't want to lose my audience yes. with you. I know you totally get this stuff, but where, where I'm going with this, where I'm going with this is that I looked at the, the broad stroke of what you've written in your book, books, and it makes perfect sense to me, okay? I get it. And, and the average consumer, the, if I was to pick one thing that I think that they do wrong when they're preparing for a marathon or a half marathon, is their weekend warriors. They spend a tremendous amount of volume training on the weekend and dedicate very little to, if any, running during the week. And then they're progressively increasing the amount of volume they're doing over the weekend till eventually they break down. You find that fairly exactly. accurate? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so what I agree with you most on all of this is that to progressively increase the volume of the work through the course of the week, and also to make sure you're including some variation in intensity. Yes. Now, I, I set this up as best I could because this is the question that's really, really chawing at me right now. Okay. No place in this book do you mention heart rate training. No. And I'm based on where you come from, I'm a little perplexed. I, well, my main thought on that is people we work with want to run a certain time. So say they want to break four hours or, you know, qualify for Boston, whatever the case is, they need to be able to run a certain pace. And in order to do that, you need to be able to handle 
certain paces in training. So that's why I know you target. I, I think with people I work with, it's just they want to hit a, they want to run a certain goal, so we have to set it up so that they can hit a certain goal. And if those paces are too tough for them, then in this particular training segment, to me that says the goal is too ambitious. So I really like to keep that as, as simple as possible. Um, and honestly, you know, I am the spokesman for Kevin and Keith on this, and, and you know, I don't think any of our lead athletes use heart rate monitors. Um, and I just find, like, I can just think of a few people I coach personally that, you know, they're, they're businessmen, and so they're travel. I mean, they travel all the time. I mean, you know, to California, I'm going to China, Japan, you name it. And they're gone. They're gone more than they're home. And for me to put them on a heart rate training kind of guideline wouldn't make any sense for those guys because they're, they're, they're just all over the place, you know, and they're high stress guys. There's no way that that's relevant to where they're at fitness wise. And so I don't understand. I really don't understand that. To be look, I'm just going to be upfront with you, and you know, I respect what you're doing, but I I have to try to wrap my head around what you're telling me here because here's what what I see, and again, I've been doing this a long time, and I coach runners, and regardless of the level of athlete, and by the way, let me share with you, I did a project where I took 20 runners, and we got some sponsors on board, and I shopped for 20 runners. The way that they got on this team, and by the way, we gave them carte blanche. Once we picked them to be on this project, we gave them carte blanche. That means that we wrote the nutrition for them, we did all the diagnostics, we set them up with shoes, everything that they possibly could ever hope or want, we provided them. And then we took them through about, I think it was about 15 or 16 weeks worth of training, and it wasn't a long race, it was a 10-mile race. And what I did was, I evaluated these people, let them run around the track, and I did not pick the fastest people. I, I looked at the group, and I, I think uh, we did like three interviews, and I, through the course of these interviews, I've had a hundred some odd people that tried to get on this, this project. And I held up my hand in the form of a C, and the C represented compliance. I said, if you want to get on this team, this is what you need to do. And I told them they needed to comply. In other words, whatever I tell you to do, you're going to do. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how fast you are. You have to do what I ask you to do throughout the course of this training. Otherwise, just leave right now. We picked 20 people. And I had some people that were really good runners coming in and very, very hard-headed about the way they're going to train. Many of them did not wear heart rate or would not follow heart rate because they didn't understand it. And, and so... Suggesting like what you suggested was, you know, people are traveling and, you know, having them sit still well enough to follow this program might be difficult. But so here's what we did. We, we had them all tested. We found their threshold. I prescribed their aerobic training zones, and I showed them what their lactate threshold looked like. I told them what I wanted to do, and we set about doing the training. At this race that we went to, we blew the doors off all the competition. We, we virtually won every age group and won the race overall. And it was based on heart rate prescription. So everything that you're doing makes perfect sense to me. 
But I would think that it would be that much more interesting if when you're trying to keep someone aerobic, you're pretty confident that the yield from the effort is going to be, uh, say, 20% more appropriate than it might have been if they were just guessing. Or when you take them over the threshold, the percentage of uh, intensity over threshold was such that there's an, a, a much more refined adaptive process. Does that not make any sense at all? Just, I mean, tell me. Hit me with a stick if you think you need to. I mean, it makes sense, but I mean, you understand it. If I'm working with people online or, you know, people just reading books, I mean, I really can't monitor their heart rate and I can't really control them. So for me, it's kind of not really the best thing to look at something that I can't control with them anyway. I mean, yeah, if you're working with, you know, 10, 15 people every day, I mean, that makes a huge difference. But what about with your online coaching? Do you, what metrics do you look at when you're helping these people online? I mean, I guess we just have a difference in philosophy here. I mean, I... I really believe in, in the paces. Like, if, if something, I, to me, I guess I'm, I don't understand. Like, if I'm, yeah, you're, you're prescribing people heart rates, but if I prescribe them a pace that I know is going to be aerobic, then it's the same idea. I, they have to, they have to follow those rules. And if they go faster than that, I get mad. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But right. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just never really have been sold on heart rate and especially with the situation we're in that right. I I just I don't know it's just a difference in philosophy there I guess well here's the thing and I guess I should probably be more clear I'm not suggesting that heart rate should be the only metric you concern yourself with but what I look at and I do online coaching with athletes I look at as many metrics as I possibly can to make decisions about what's going to happen moving forward so I don't have a, a particular prescription that they're going to follow. I have a theme, and I have, a, I have an intent. But I want to be able to make changes and move when the time is right, when it's most appropriate. And so what I look at is I look at, for example, with, you know, with all the technology available today, I'm able to look at GPS, tells me what their pace looks like. Even better, I like to look at cadence, stride frequency, I like to look at what the cost of work is. So to me, pace is a product. It becomes a function of what you created. But the well, then I mean, you're kind of oversimplifying what I'm saying too. I'm it's not like I'm just looking at pace too. But I, I guess I have a certain understanding of my athletes that they're going to be honest with me and tell me how they feel. You know, things are getting easier for them. If they're feeling good, if they're feeling mm -hmm. bad. I mean, yeah, it's not like I just say, oh, your pace was. All right, so you're okay to go. You know, it's like, to me, having that open line of communication with my athletes is, is where I'm going to get most of my information. And, and, and some of them do track their heart rate, and some of them don't. And some of them track other things. And, it, and you know, I, I'm not going to just say you have to do this, you know, in order for me to make a good decision. Because if, they, if they're honest with me and provide me with, you know, how they're feeling and all those other things you need to look at as a coach, then absolutely I can make proper decision with, you know, is this too much for them? Are we are we too far ahead of schedule? Are we too far behind schedule? All those all those things. So, I mean, I definitely understand what you're saying, but I'm not just looking at one thing either. You know, there's a lot of other things I'm looking at this. Okay, so you 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 put a lot of stock in the in the relationship conversation wise. You 
you know, they're, they're giving oh, you feedback. Has to be. There's no, yeah. there's no such, there's no relationship if, if there's not an open line of communication in, in that. And some people take advantage of that, and some people don't. But then, to me, the people who get the most out of coaching are the ones that have that open line and, and recognize it. You know, don't come tell me you're hurt when you're hurt. Tell me, you know, you're not feeling good, or you know. Things aren't going very well. You're stressed out. Whatever the case is, and those the people that do that with me are the most successful. You know, not mm-hmm. not waiting till hey, I broke my leg. You know, you know that's, Got that's not going to really help anybody. So the, uh, the the distance project you guys are doing is this uh, an Olympic development program? Is that what that is? Yeah, we're actually probably one of the first in the country. Um, and like I said, I I don't coach that. I coach. I, I'm not actually a member of the ODP. I, I run for the ODP. Um, you know, it's been around since '99. Kevin Keith are the coaches of the ODP, so I am not. I'm not a coach of that. I, You're I already qualified, though, aren't you? Are you qualified? Yes, I'm actually qualified for three Olympic trials. Yes. Right, and your PR is two fourteen thirty nine. Is that right? Correct. And that was set. Um, I don't have it in front of me. What year was that? Uh, 2011. Okay. How you doing now? Good. Busy, you know. Husband, father, <laughs> business owner. <laughs> I get it. Trust me, I get it. You know, I, 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 use, I use the analogy of the dude with the tambourine between his knees, you know, the blowing the horn and banging the drum. And I, I find myself doing 50,000 other things. It's really, really hard to focus on myself. You know, plumber with leaky faucet, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So since you guys produced these books, I'd imagine your popularity just soared after you got these books out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we started, as far as online coaching and stuff, we were, we took off pretty well, um, which is a good thing. We went from really just me coaching to, uh, we now have five other coaches, so doing the, doing pretty well with that and then you know we just kind of choose who's going to be the best fit you know it's fortunately with ODP we have a ton of people who are familiar with the program and are you know can ask a lot of questions if they don't have the answers for the athletes and that's a good thing I mean they can bounce questions off of me and things like that so I think it's a pretty good group that we have right now so it's been a pleasant surprise that's cool that's very cool. And uh, I, I noticed uh, also in your book that um, you don't you don't spend a tremendous amount of time on running form. No. No. What's your thought? And uh, I'm not the person to provide that information. I mean, there's so many other good experts, you know, Jay Bashari, guys like that who are amazing with that stuff so I'm not going to try to jump into that ring I guess I mean because they can you know they can go buy his book for you know 15 bucks and get way better information <laughs> than, than I can provide you know it was a good I think book, have to realize, yeah it's a great book and I've listened to Jay speak a few times and you know his, it's practical I love it because it's practical it's what anybody can do anywhere and you know and he's the expert in that field so I'm not going to pretend like I am, you know, that's that's his area, that's both guys' areas. There's way you know, Jay Johnson, both guys know so much more about that stuff than, than I do and I'm not even gonna try to pretend like I do. I think that's that's 
that's when you know you, you just don't overstep your your uh, boundaries there, you know. And, I mean, it, my personal thought on it is, yeah, I mean, there's certain things people can fix, but I also think a lot of times people try to fix the symptoms and not the cause. And, you know, throwing a pair of orthotics on somebody may or may not work, you know, fixing hip strength is probably majority of people can do. And, you know, so I, it's just, you know, I know, I know enough to be dangerous on, on that aspect. So I try not to, and I, th- I don't think people really want that for me and from Kevin Keith anyway. I think they want, how do we train for this marathon? How do we train for this half marathon? And, and that's what, that's what we're good at. That's what we're going to, that's what we're going to provide. Got it. Got it. I just, for me, where I deal with a lot of, uh, a lot of people that are they're struggling. I mean, yeah, I know you've done it. You, you you stood at the side of a race and watched people running down the road, and you look at them and you go, oh god, that's gotta hurt. You can just see the anguish in their face when they're going down the road. And these people seem to be uh, where where I get a lot of of takers, where they're just so damn frustrated with the pain that they're experiencing. And, you know, so they they get up one day and they go, you know what, I'm tired of being fat and I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to start running. And, and then they just, they, they pick up a training program that they might find somewhere and program indicates run this many miles today, that many miles tomorrow, and then on and on and on. Everything's going really well until about, you know, um, four weeks into the program when the volume gets to a place where, the strength to weight ratio becomes an issue and that because they're weak to begin with and they're taking on more volume than they probably should at that point in time and the way they run is so corrupt, they're overstriding, they're heel striking, they're not equipped, they got bad shoes, whatever the case may be, and then they break down. So I find it to be, for me I guess, I find it to be such an important thing to address so that we can get them over these problems and get them to a successful place. Would I be fairly uh, right, and again, just tell me if I'm wrong, a lot of the people that you're accustomed to working with are pretty accomplished to begin with. Is that kind of your your niche? I think people have that perception, um, and so we tend to get those those types of runners. But, I mean, we, you know, we're not going to turn. We don't turn anybody away at all, and we have... You know, like I said, we have great people in place to be able to help anybody, you know, even if, you know, whether it's a beginning runner or somebody who just runs 5Ks and 10Ks. I mean, we have, you know, we have the people in place to, to help those guys out. Um, but I think that is the kind of perception is that we only work with, you know, faster runners. And, and that's just, that's not the case, but it ends up being who we end up getting for the most part. Well, it's, that's an interesting thing to, to, you know, an interesting problem to have, I think, because I, I think there's nothing more beautiful to watch than a well-accomplished runner uh, in a workout. Somebody that you really, really, you know, it's, it's just like a racehorse, you know. You, they just, they can do these things. And as a coach, it's a lot of fun to experiment with them to see what you can get from them. Do you, do you revel in that a lot? I mean, do you, do you find that, when you're working with athletes, that it uh, you almost live vicariously through their efforts. Uh, sometimes, but I, I mean, it's it's I guess I'm in a different situation because I'm still competing at a high level. Um, so 
you know, I, I love when I'm getting sick and I can run some really crazy workouts that I don't think is, you know, I don't think very easy. Uh, I do, I do love that. And I do love, I think, to me, I just take pride in when my runners, regardless of ability, have breakthroughs and they finally have aha moments, you know, and, and believe in themselves for the first time, you know, that's, that's what really gets me excited is like when they, when they realize that they can do really whatever they want, they just have to put in a certain amount of work and they have to just be patient and, you know, and, and, and have some faith with it and, and then it finally happens and that's, that's amazing to me when I see that happen. You know, right. People who run, you know, somebody, I don't care, but somebody who's trying to break four hours, you know, if they, if, especially when they, they work hard and they know it's going to be hard. I, I love, I love seeing that when the person has that breakthrough. Yeah, it is. It's, to me, again, I mean, I'm getting older, dude. I'm, you know, I'm 61 years old right now, and I'm not looking. If I can get out of bed and, and get a run on at all, I'm, I'm a happy guy. Anymore, I find that I, I, I live through my, my athletes, the people I work with. And regardless of what, like you suggested, regardless of whether they're trying to break four hours or, or just finish without having to walk through a race, um, it, it's a big deal. So, you know, getting back to the training program, one of the things that you that you guys stand behind that I find interesting, and um, and I know you've got a lot of backing on this, is that you, you don't like to see people get past uh, their longest run should not ever get past 25 to 30% of their weekly volume. You guys are pretty, pretty staunch about that, aren't you? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you phrased it that way because, most people, oh, you don't let people go more than 16 miles. Well, no, it's not, it's not about 16 miles. It's not about a 20 miler. It's about running what is appropriate for your mileage. You know, if, if somebody's running 40 miles a week and doing a 20 mile long run, at least 20 miles for the rest of the week, you're really limited on what you can do. You can't, you can probably choose between one SOS day, whether it's a tempo, strength, or speed workout, but you can't get molten. And then you're going to have, maybe another easy run or two in there. So you really limit yourself on what you can do overall based on if you have a long run that's 35, 40, 50% of your weekly mileage. And that's, that's just, yeah, I mean, that's the foundation of, of the right. program. Well, I, I, think it, I think that makes sense, but I think it's really important to, to consider that what you're really doing, I think, I think the sneaky part and the coolest part about this is that it makes you realize that the rest of the week needs to be intact. It's not a yeah. function of what you're doing on the weekend, right? So if, if you're thinking, oh, i got to get this 20-miler in, and you've not gotten past 30 miles in a week, you're asking for trouble right. because what, what you're going to do is you're going to spend 70% of the following week trying to recover from the effort you did. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, and that's exactly right. And that's, and that's how we try to, to, to tell people. It's like, okay, so... You have a 20 mile on Sunday, which means you probably took Saturday off. You probably ran very short on Friday. You know, you might have done something substantial Thursday. But then you do long on Sunday. You probably took Monday off. You probably took Tuesday very, very easy. So now it's Wednesday of the following week before you can even really do anything. And so yeah, there you go. You spent a whole week revolved around one run. You know, and so you didn't train, you just survived. You survived that long run, and you really didn't do anything else, you know. And that's that's how we, you know, 
So if you just back that long run down a little bit, you can get so much more in during the week. And it makes that volume overall less demanding because you're not so, you know, you haven't dug that hole so deep in the long run that it takes you a week to get out of it, you know, yeah. and, and you can you can do other things. So how do you feel about, and, and I don't even know if you commented on it in your books, but I'm going to ask, how do you feel about in the course of your week when you're trying to get your mileage up? And I think it's principally important that, you know, getting a lot of volume in the week or concurrent weeks, that, that's a big deal. If time is not your friend, you know, you got to, like you suggested, you got you got obligations, you got a job, you got kids, you got family, whatever. Um, doing split workouts, maybe putting in an hour in the morning and try to put an hour later in the afternoon. Uh, in my opinion, I think that that, that that equates to volume in the week just as well as if you were to do it the following day. What do you think? Right. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, we definitely get that question a fair amount. And I, I always tell them this is, it's, you know, something is always better than nothing, right? So I'd rather have you do that than not do that run at all, for sure. You know, and, um, you know, the tempo run, especially when you get to that 8, 9, 10-mile tempo during the week, that's when I really try to push people to try to find, you know, try to find that hour and a half, try to find the time to get that in. And, uh, you know, it's fun, it, you know, it's funny because if somebody's never done the system before, I definitely say, okay, whatever you need to do to be able to get it in, right? I'm, you know, we'll we'll work with each other on that. Uh, and then I find, like, over time, that they naturally just find they'll, they'll they'll make the time to get that, especially like that long tempo running during the week. That's kind of the hardest one to do in one shot during the week. So um, it's funny people just kind of evolve, I guess, towards trying to get that all in one one run, but. Yeah, definitely early on, especially if they've never done that kind of mileage before, then, you know, whatever it takes. I Personally, I don't care. I would rather see you break it up into two runs than not do it at all by any means, you know. I don't just, as soon as you start making that excuse, then it's like, okay, then you start missing days here, missing days there, and then all of a sudden the whole idea of cumulative fatigue is not really cumulative fatigue anymore. You're just, you're really recovered because you missed so many days, so... Right. It's, it's it's something you gotta I, I don't know, you kinda do case by case I guess and see where that person is at and, and move from there. Well I just think that everybody recovers at different levels. And and so for example, if if I had someone scheduled to do for example, twelve miles and the payback for that mile run for them at that point in time might be so significant that they, they really need a couple days to recover. I mean, so even if they don't recover they, and, they you know, they take on the work that's supposed to be scheduled to follow it, that it, it's just kind of mud. It's not really good work. Where if if leading up to the ability to, to do that, if they do like 6 in the morning and 6 in the afternoon, uh, and that's more manageable for them, um, I guess that's what I was getting at. Do you think that that's a reasonable conclusion? Is that something you might want to – you would you – would, you know, be okay with? Well, like I said, I mean, it's definitely a case-by-case basis. You know, if I'm working with somebody and, you know, that, that's where that open-minded communication comes into to play. And, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I'd rather have them do that, break it up into two runs, than, than try not to do it at all or just cut the one run short and not do the other mileage later on or whatever the case is. So, 
Yeah, I, like I said, it just depends on on the person. I mean, you said, I mean, everybody recovers at a different rate. And, you know, one thing one thing we'll do, too, is, is I do work with people who do have kind of either odd schedules or uh, more free schedules. Like, you know, they can, if they need two hours to run, they can take two hours to run. What we'll do is a nine-day cycle where we go SOS day, two days recovery, SOS day, two days recovery, and then um, a long run or, you know, whatever, whatever the case is. So we'll, uh, can, can, you def- can you define SOS for people that are listening? Uh, something of substance, which is either a speed workout, strength workout, or uh, tempo run, or a long run. Okay. All right. I'm sorry, Squid, finish your thought. It's a nine-day cycle. Yeah, so we just, I mean, just gives them an extra day of recovery in there. And, you know, but that means, you know, they might have to do a long run during the middle of the week. So it really, again, that depends on if the person has the schedule that can, that can accommodate that. And we've actually done that with um, a few people recently. And it's definitely, you know, they're, I don't know, there's a couple of them are in there. 30s, and then a couple guys are in their 40s, at least kind of been experimenting with this a little bit, but um, it seems to work great for those guys, because it, it is hard workouts for those guys, and they can just give them that extra day, and, and uh, you know, we do that with the, the elite program, the three part of the nine-day cycle, and it definitely can give you um, just that extra day recovery to allow you to have more quality the, the next workout. Um, you know, some people, what I'll do, too, is you know, we'll do Tuesday or Wednesday, we'll do a workout, and then Saturday or Sunday they'll do their long run. And then the following week, instead of a long run, we'll maybe do a longer tempo on the weekend. And I've done that with a few people and had some success with that, too. So, like, I mean, like you said, I mean, it totally depends on who you're working with and, and what, you know, you, you do what you have to do. And, you, you know, if it means running two runs a day, then you do two runs a day. And if it means giving them an extra day because, you know, they, they need that extra day. And, you know, that, but that's, that's the difference between the schedules in the book and then hiring a coach to work with, too, you know, where, you know, you can actually observe what that person is doing where, you know, you're taking schedules that are in the book that are meant for a huge spectrum of people, you know, so you're trying to fit in what would work for the majority, even though a lot of people could come tweak it for their own personal, you know, abilities and needs. Yeah. So the, the principal concerns in your philosophy are that you, you don't allow your long runs to exceed 25 to 30% of your weekly mileage. You have varying intensities throughout the course of the week. And so if you were if you were to take the average consumer that's listening to us right now, you know, I guess somebody mad at me one time because I referred to them as a consumer, but I I guess someone listening to us right now is consuming this information, so I, 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 I'm going to stand by it. So, <laughs> so, so there's people listening right now, and they're looking for that sound bite that's going to lead them to the promised land. So talking to the people directly, I'm going to run a half marathon in four months, and this is new for me. What would be the most critical things that they should focus on? I think the first thing is being aware of that it's not going to be easy, that it's definitely going to take 
a commitment and there's going to be days you don't want to do it and there's going to be days where you wondered why on earth you decided to do it, but it's all worth it on the race day. So I think just recognition about, because you hear so many people, oh, I, you know, I want to do this, I want to do that, but they don't really realize what is involved in, in doing it. It's not like you just show up at the starting line and run a half marathon or a marathon. You know, you've, you've really got to do yourself a, a favor and train properly for it. And that ain't, that's not even just saying using my art system. That's using any system. you got to be properly trained. Um, specific to us, I think, just don't discount easy days. I think there's so much out there referring to easy runs and junk mileage and this and that, and it's not. It's just easy runs and easy running is the foundation of your fitness. And without that, you're only... I always describe it as, you know, think of fitness as a house and you have the the roof, which is peaked, and then you have the walls and the foundation. And easy runs are really that foundation. And without it, you can have the fastest blood turnover in the world, but if you have nothing about that foundation, then then it's meaningless. You have a roof sitting on the ground, and it's not going to get you anywhere. So don't discount your easy runs. Build your fitness from the bottom up. So start start with your easy runs, you know, and get up, just get out there and get your runs in, and then build from there. Push push everything up from the bottom. Don't try to work it from the top because you're limited. You're more limited that way. You can't really pull your fitness up. You have to push it up. Um, and then again, to our program specifically, I would say don't look at what you're doing. 12 weeks from now or 16 weeks from now, look at what you're doing today and this week. And because I think a lot of times people are really intimidated when they see the overall weeks, you know, 12, 14, 16 weeks into a, into a program. So don't focus on where you're going to, where you're going to end up, focus on what you're doing now. And then those things become easier as you put the work in now. So that's what I would focus on because I think any, there's a lot of good programs out there for sure, and there's a lot of programs that will get you where you need to be. Um, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't particularly matter what you do as long as you as you do something. And you know, I'm definitely not. If you listen, if you read some of the things I write and, and some of the things I talk about, it you probably get that sense I'm anti. Uh, three-day programs, which I'll be honest, I, I am, but I, that's more for long-term development. But, I mean, if you follow something and you, and you haven't before, you're going to be more fit than you were, and that's that's what you want to be. So um, there's a lot, there's just a lot you can, a lot you can do with. That's all great advice. That's all great advice. And I think that, that the key to all of this is obviously consistency. you got to get out there and do something, right? Yeah. A little something's better than nothing. I would add to that, and you know, showing you how staunch I am about this. I would add to that if there, if people are new to training and they have really no relationship with the effort, you know, you what you draw upon is well. When I was younger, this is the way I ran. So you you go charging down the road, and you have no perception of, of pace. You have no perception of effort. You just find, oh man, how do you run ten miles? I can't get past two. Well, the, the level of intensity in their mind when they're when they're trying to get their run on because they're not comfortable with running to begin with, 
is that they push themselves too hard. Their body is so untrained that any effort that they throw out there is going to be anaerobic anyway. You can't even perceive how three weeks from now that's going to turn into 10 miles or 5 miles or whatever it might be because you're, what you're feeling in the moment is that, wow, this is hard. How the hell do they do this? And it's because okay. you're just not doing the right thing. So get a freaking heart rate monitor and find out at least, even through perception, I can do it over the over the radio here, is use the mathetone uh, method. Just subtract your age from 180 and use that as a, as a standard that right about there is going to be easy. If you stay close to that, you're going to go. And progressively try to build your speed up as your fitness improves. Would you at least agree with that? Yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree with, you know, people just tend to go out and run every bit as hard as they can when they first start out. And and uh, that obviously limits to how much you can run, especially early on. And, and you know, if it, it just turns people off from running, too, because that's how people how people get hurt. And, you know, they, they don't see the improvement that they should if they just learn that if they back off and you can cover more ground. But that's how, I, you know, when I work with, the beginners that I do work with, I, I always tell them focus on focus on duration first, and, and the the intensity will take care of itself once once you become more fit. And, and that's you know that's that's you're right. People focus too much on intensity right away, and they, you know they say, well, yeah, exactly. How can I run ten miles? You can't even run two, and, and and then they just end up frustrated and leaving the sport. So um, absolutely, and I, you know, I would say you know if you are a beginner, that's why it's so so important to you know get involved with local you know like we have group runs from our from the running stores you know pretty much every running store throughout the week and find something find somebody to you know run or find you know find a coach or a group or a running club something that's going to you know provide you with some sort of that beginning education and that's that's kind of the biggest thing you can do for yourself is learn from what other people have done and you know that's I think that's that's huge. You just gotta get involved. If you try to do it by yourself, it's just yeah, you're gonna get frustrated. And yeah. you know, we don't we don't want that. We want you in the you know, that's kinda of what Kevin has said a lot of times, like it's how we want I don't want I don't want somebody to run a marathon as a bucket list thing. I want them to run that marathon and then say, Hey, you know what? I think I wanna do another one and keep keep running, you know, be a runner for life, not just, you know, a bucket list thing. Sure. Well, I agree with you. I agree with you. Listen, Luke, I really enjoyed speaking with you. I would hope one day we'll get a chance to meet. Uh, I'm not coming out there, dude. you got to come out this way. <laughs> yeah. I'm done, I'm done with cold weather. I'm just, I'm just done with it. But this is, this is an excellent read. Both of these books are, are – I highly recommend reading these books. Um, the marathon book is great. The half marathon book is also great. Um, anybody that's trying to participate in either one of these events, I think this is a great read. And, again, I really appreciate the, the education in the beginning of the book. I think a lot of people need that, and I think he did a great job explaining how the body operates and how the adaptations occur relative to the work you do. So, uh, again, I really, really enjoyed having you on the show. I wish you the best of luck. And uh, anything else you want to plug before we shut it down? Uh, you know, I think you know we uh, we've got some exciting things going on with us as far as with our site, and you know, 
you actually gave me a lot of ideas for uh, some some topics to write about and um, putting our blog posts and things like that. So uh, definitely, you know, HansonsCoachingServices.com is our site, and you know, we offer the coaching and we offer schedules, all that all that business. But uh, hopefully, uh, we try to put a lot of content out there for for everybody to read too. So uh, sign up for our uh, email um, list. We don't. All we send out is blog posts, you know, what we've written. So um, sign up for that, stay updated with that. And, yeah, I mean, you definitely need some topics to write about, for, especially with beginners and, and things like that. So, um, What's the website? Uh, com. Excellent. If you're curious about bouncing anything off me just for whatever, just I'm, I'm always here for you, buddy. All right, Aaron. Appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah, it's a pleasure. So we're going to go ahead and shut it down. You have an amazing weekend, my friend, and train safe and stay healthy. Thank you, sir. You bet. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.